God. Amen. Thank you, musicians and singers. Appreciate all your help. Amen. Wasn't it good to see some of the young men taking the offering this morning? Praise God. Amen. Good. That's, that's what discipleship is all about. People ask, do we have a youth group? Yeah, we have church. That's youth group. You come to church and you get discipled and you become a man, right? And so there's no teenagers actually in the Bible. It's either you're a child or a man. And it's good to see some young men serving God, not out of the movies and, um, you know, sleeping in this morning for what they did last night. Hallelujah. Amen. Good to see everyone this morning. Thank you for coming out to church. Appreciate you being here. Amen. We're going to have a good morning. If your Bible's going to turn to Ezekiel chapter 37. Uh, it's, before, it's before the book of Daniel, and you obviously all know where the book of Daniel is. Just before that, a couple of pages before that. Everyone's like, yeah, it's when you, when you flick in your phone, it's the first one before. <laughs> all right, Ezekiel 37. We're in a series titled um, Questions from God. Uh, it talked about the questions that God asked Adam, where are you? What have you done? Who told you? Um, in, in the garden, we've looked at uh, last week on Wednesday, we looked at what is your name and how when we're honest with God, who we really are, then God can actually start to change us and mold us and shape us. And the good news is that God can change our name. Isn't that good news? And so no matter what your name has been in the past, your reputation, your character, God can change that. That You can make an influence to your family, your children, your, your future, your workplace and your church. Today, we're going to look at a very unusual question. And uh, this, this question is going to, going to be the foundation uh, of this sermon. And the question this morning I'm going to look at is, can these bones live? Can these bones live? So I don't have a long illustration this morning. It's because I've got a long sermon. So we're just going to get straight into it. And um, Jason said a few weeks ago, he said, Pastor, you should preach longer. So if I go long, you can blame him after the service. And uh, the Lord will be, no, I won't be long. I promise. It'll be okay. <laughs> Everyone's getting this, the, the stones to throw at Jason. Ezekiel 37. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. It says, And the Lord, hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out of the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones and he caused me to pass by all of them uh, all, all around sorry and behold there were very many in the open valley and indeed they were very dry and he said to me son of man can these bones live amen let's pray before we start God we're grateful for your word grateful for everyone that's here thank you God that we can approach you through the blood of Jesus Christ I thank you Lord Uh, for the resurrection power that is in Christ Jesus. I pray, speak to us tonight, bring encouragement to those that are struggling this morning. Any area of our life that needs life, I pray that you'll breathe the breath of life through the Holy Spirit this morning. Give us encouragement, give us strength. We thank you for what you're going to do. And in the mighty name of Jesus, everybody says with a shout, Amen. Amen. Three points this morning. First, we're going to look at the problem. And in our text, there's a very clear problem. As I just read, Ezekiel is brought by the Lord and he's brought to this area that is full of dead man's bones. This area, this valley was once a mighty army. This area was once powerful. They were once strong. They were once disciplined. They were once fit. Can everyone say amen? And they were once in this area that this were the strongest, that the best of the best that this, uh, this nation had to provide. But as he looks out, they're all dead. And they're not only dead, they've been dead for a long time. The bones are dry. Not only dry, the Bible says that they are very dry. And what was once strong has become dead. It says in verse 9, it says that they were slain, and I used this the other week, but the word slain is a very deep word. Uh, what it means to be killed violently, be killed in a violent way, to murder. And so what was so strong has been violently killed and murdered and destroyed. And the reason I say that is because this is a perfect picture of some areas of our life that were once strong, but are now dead. One area that we used to be strong in the Lord in, or strong in this area, And now that area has been murdered violently 
and is now very indeed dry. That could be our relationships to each other. It could be an area, a relationship you had with someone that was once strong and is now dead. It could be your devotion to God that was once on fire for God, that was, that was strengthened to God and is now dead. It could be a marriage financially, your mind, in many, many areas. And whatever area that is, this is a problem that it was once alive, but it is now dead. How many of you remember the first time you drove a car? The very, very first time you drove a car? Raise, raise your hand. And if you're under 17 or 16, you should not have your hand up. Isn't that right, Etta? Praise God. Amen. So you all remember. How many remember that one of the things that, that stood out to us is like how sensitive the, acceler- the accelerator was? Now, we think you drive, you just, just, just like this, right? And you, it's normal. But the first time you, you, you touch it and the, the engine goes, and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I only, only went, went like this. Anybody here, maybe the first time you drove manual. Uh, maybe you're still working on that, but uh, you, you, you're trying to get the clutch and the, and the accelerator, you're trying to get all that working in motion, you have to be sensitive here. You know, in the accelerator, how hard do we push on our accelerator? Like, just like this? Just like that. And we only do that, and we can get all this power available. A car that's dead and quiet, all you've got to do is turn a key, like how much effort do we do in turning the key like, like this? And then all the power of that car turns on and is available. Then we put our foot down, just like that. And then we can be going 20, 40, 60, 80, 100 kilometers an hour, and we all go by the speed rules. Amen. We have a police appreciation day next week. Don't get busted this week. It's going to be very bad on our church. Okay. So just by a little bit, and there's a lot of power. I remember when you were steering, how many oversteered a few times? Let's, turn, let's just turn, turn here. Okay, sure. And the whole car like goes like this. It's, how, how, how hard do we turn? We just, we just turn like that. Just, just the smallest, little, sensitive, little, just a little bit, and the whole car moves just a little bit of pressure on, on, a, on the accelerator, and we have all this power, just a little turn of the key, and all this power becomes available to us. The reason I say all of that is because this is exactly how our words work. Just a little bit of words is like just touching the accelerator, and all power becomes available. Just a, a few words, and something that was dead, it's like turning a key, and all power becomes available. And some words, just a few attitude words, and we just go like this, and our life has veered off the edge, just by a few words. Because there are power in our words. Our words are so, so powerful. And if we were only as sensitive with our words as we were with our accelerator, with our steering wheel, we'd, we'd be okay, right? Right? I like every head bad. No, I could feel it already. I was like, oh, 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 I said some words this morning that probably weren't appropriate, right? People think their words don't have power, yet they go like this. And they're going 100 kilometers an hour. What you say has power. The words you speak are more powerful than any V8 engine that you've ever driven. The words you speak go faster than any car you've ever driven. And the words can cause more pain than any accident that's ever occurred. All because of a little pressure, a little jerk of the steering wheel, just a few little words, and they spark a fire. And they spark things that were once dead, uh, once alive and strong, but now become dead through our own words. James 3, 4 to 5 says, Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how fast a forest, a little fire kindles. And we can all attest to that. How many have had a massive fire argument over a little word? wasn't even the word. It's how you said it. Well, I said this. Yeah, but the way you said it, you said it, you said it like that. 
why'd you go like that for? <laughs> right? <laughs> and most of our problems in life are because of this stupid thing in here. And we say some things, and things that were once powerful have become dead. Words have much more power than you realize. And if we truly grasped the, the, how powerful our words were, we'd never say anything negative ever again. Ever, ever again. The Bible has a lot to say about words, and this is the most famous one in, in Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. NLT says the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love, the, love to talk will reap the consequences. Just throwing it out there, ladies talk three times as much as men. You can read into that as much as you want. Proverbs 18.21, again, in the message, says, Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Very clear. There's nothing more extreme than death and life. That's the most extreme two things. Black and white, death and life is more powerful. There's nothing else you can get more extreme. And the Bible says, what you speak is either going to produce life or it's going to produce death. Galatians 6, 7, again, I haven't got this, but you reap what you sow. The words you speak are going to come back. You will eat those words. And it, ever heard that saying? I had to eat my words. Because you said something wrong and it came back on you. Foot in mouth disease. You know that one where you always put your foot in your mouth, saying the wrong thing over and over and over again. When we speak, our words become reality. Our words have power and they will either bring life to your situations or they will kill situations and not many people understand the power of curses a curse is something that invokes a supernatural power to bring harm pain and destruction okay a curse is something that invokes spiritual power to bring harm pain and destruction curses are more real than you realize people think oh no i'm a christian so therefore there's i'm not under a curse that's not necessarily true because many people today are living under a curse because of the words they've spoken and the words spoken over them. And maybe some people here this morning, maybe you're under a curse because of what someone's spoken over you or what we've spoken from our own mouth. And we'll, we'll touch on what other people speak over us in another sermon. But today I really want to focus on what we speak because you can't control what comes out of someone else's mouth. But we can control this guy here, sort of. So how do people curse their lives? There's no middle grounds, either blessing or cursing. So how do people curse their lives? Three, three areas. First way we curse our lives is words of unbelief. If you've ever been waking up one morning and you're like, how can I make God really angry today? If that's ever crossed your mind, like when you woke up having some cereal, how can I make God really ticked off with me? This is your answer, is speak words of unbelief against God. Say things like, my situation will never change. Say things like, there's no hope for me. I'll never change. Say things like, it's over. Say things like, I feel like quitting. Say things like, I want to backslide. Say things like, it's all pointless. That's like slapping God in the face and saying, you're not, you're not strong enough. My problem's too big for you. And unbelief really ticks off God. That's the time in the Bible you see him gets the most upset. So revival, I've said this many times in the last few weeks, revival and discipleship work together in atmosphere. Okay? They, they grow in an atmosphere. And your words 
that, that, sorry, that atmosphere is faith, and our words produce either faith or unbelief. And if our words are right, then this atmosphere will be right, then the faith will build. But if our words are off, then faith will be off, then the atmosphere will be off, then discipleship and revival will be off as well because of unbelief. Some churches are destroyed because of the unbelief of the church, unbelief of the pastor, because of the words they speak. In 2 Kings 7, there's a famine in the land, and Elisha says, tomorrow, uh, they're going to be given prophecy, tomorrow, all the, the famine's going to be gone, we're going to have food, it's going to be great, life is going to be fantastic. But then there's this guy with unbelief. And people with unbelief, they can't even keep it to themselves, they have to keep talking, right? And so, 2 Kings 7, 2, so an officer... Uh, who was uh, sorry? Whose hand the, lean, the king leaned answered the man of God and said, "Look, if the Lord will make the windows of heaven, would this could this thing be?" So he's saying, even if the windows of heaven opened, could we really break free from this famine? And he said, "In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it." Verse seventeen. Now the king had appointed the officer on whose hand he leaned leaned to have charge of the gate, but the people trampled him in the gate, and he died, just as the man of God had said. It's a deep scripture. God said, this is what I'm going to do through the prophet of God. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring blessing. I'm going to bring fruitfulness. I'm going to bring an end to this, this drought. And he says, nah, you can't do that. God says, I can, but while I'm at it, you're going to be trampled to death. You'll see it, but then you'll die. Now, that's a pretty intense statement. But that just shows how much unbelief really hurts God. When people, when these carnal Christians start to speak death over the church, speak death over each other, when someone starts to rise up, how could you, who do you think you are doing that? And people start to do things in church and write, and people talk back, and they, they, they bite, and they, they devour, as the Bible says. They speak unbelief. Our church will never experience revival. It will never be as good as it once was. It will never have this. It will never have that. And God gets furious. And we curse ourselves by our own unbelief. If you want to curse your life, make God really upset. Tomorrow morning you feel, how can I make God really cut with me today? There's, there's plan A, okay? So don't do that, all right? I'm just, it's a joke, relax. Okay, so second way we curse our life brings a curse upon us. The second way we curse our life is words of rebellion. Number 17, Moses marries an Ethiopian woman and his sister Miriam gets upset. Now, you can mar- Moses can marry whoever the heck he wants to marry. It's got nothing to do with her. The reason she gets upset is because she's Ethiopian and there's a whole thing there. But he can do what he wants. It's his own decision. It's got nothing to do with her. But she starts talking smack about Moses. Uh, and he's the leader of Israel at this time. And he's making decisions. And, he, and she's speaking against her. So the truth we learn from this story, there's many. But one of them, listen, no, no matter what decision you make, if you're in leadership, no matter what decision you make, someone will be upset. Someone. You can't please anyone. Everyone. I tried, it doesn't work. There's always someone you upset. So, who should we please? Just please God. Makes it much easier. Because times I've tried to please people, then they're upset. I was like, I did all of this to please you. You know what? You're not worth pleasing. God's worth pleasing. And so she starts speaking against, against Moses. And look what happens. This is a very scary scripture. Numbers 12.2. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? This is what all rebels say. Well, can God only speak through them? God speaks to me too. Has he not spoken through us also? And I'm writing a sermon at the moment about how God speaks through us. But. So she, they're talking smack against Moses. And look at the next five words. And the Lord heard it. <laughs> Imagine, you know that time when you were talking smack? Imagine that person was just sitting there listening. That's pretty scary, right? No, no, that's not scary. Tell you what's scary? 
that God was there listening. <laughs> that's, that's scary, man. You want to talk, talk rubbish about leadership? The leader might not hear it. God will hear it. Do you know what God did? God didn't just say, oh, it's okay, I understand your pain. He gave her leprosy. Right? Full on story. Serious stuff here. And one of the things that, um, as you read into this, so Moses married an Ethiopian woman who was black, and one of the reasons so she doesn't like it because she was black, and God said, you know what, black people, find you could be white with leprosy. When you're, when you're leprous, you could become white. Full on, like, read into this stuff. She cursed herself because of her own words of rebellion. I, I, you might not agree with every situation in life, at work, at church, wherever it is, but the next time you're about to have roast boss, roast pasta, roast whatever for lunch, just remember, I'm not there, but God's listening. <laughs> Don't curse yourself. There's a story, a lady came to her pastor and said, I want to sacrifice my tongue at the altar. And he said, sorry sister, we don't have an altar big enough to fit your mouth. <laughs> anyway, let's continue. So I only put that in just because I know it's going to be, a, a, <laughs> I'm trying to bring some comedy to it. So the third way that we curse ourselves is through words of condemnation. Proverbs 12:18 says, there is one who speaks rashly like a thrust of a sword. <laughs> Think about this. Someone who talks and they've got a sword and they're just stabbing everyone. Just, hi, how you doing? Yeah, and they're just stabbing everyone. That's crazy. So this speaks rashly or speaks in condemnation. Condemnation is when you always speak down or bring disapproval. You know, someone, some people, they're so negative. They're always bringing people down and others down and themselves down. Glenn Clark said there's some people that are so negative they depress the devil. And they're just always <laughs> doing stuff. It's like, why are you speaking so negative? Of course, if you say things like, I'll never get out of debt, do you know what's going to happen? You will never get out of debt. Through your own words. Jesus said, through your words, you'll be justified. And through your own words, you will be condemned. It's your own words. Either it's going to lift you up or bring you down. Some people say this, I can never do what God's called me to do. Why say that? Why say that? People say, ask them, can you do something? Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to do a good job. Well, now you're not going to do a good job. How about we had a, an ounce of faith in God and say, I could do all things through Christ that gives me strength. And I'll give it my best. People say, I, I'm going to be a horrible husband one day. I'm going to have to have counseling with you and your wife every second weekend because you've been talking your whole life on how bad a man you're going to be. <laughs> I'm always depressed. I'm always like, it, condemnation, it brings a curse. Now, to show you how extreme it is, okay, Tracy McGrady famous basketball player. He was one of Kobe Bryant's best friends who just passed away two weeks ago. He, one of his interviews, he said this. He said, Kobe would always say, I want to be better than Michael Jordan and I want to die young. He said he said that all the time. He died young. Some of you say negative things about your own health. You've said some things about your own death, your own future. I wish I would just die. You better be careful because words have power. Many times the dead areas, it's because of ourselves. We killed it. It wasn't him or him or her or what it boss. Or, it, we killed it. We said it. Eve, Eve didn't believe God's words. She believed the serpent. And she started to repeat what the serpent said. 6,000 years later, there's people here in this service. God speaks to you, but you listen to the serpent. 
and you, you vocalize what the serpent says instead of what God says. So that's the problem. Let's look secondly at the potential. Good news about the dead areas of our life is that God doesn't pretend they're not there. You know when we have a bad area in life, we just pretend they're not there? You just, like, when you have a bad, low bank balance, you just don't check your bank balance? You just pretend it's not there. You just pretend that didn't happen. You know, you, if you put all the dishes in the oven, they're not there. They're gone. They're, they're disappeared. All your clothes in the, in the closet, and you, they're not there. It's all gone, right? And so we can live like But God's not afraid of that area in your life that's, that's horrible, okay? He's not, he wants us to be aware of it. Verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me, brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, set me down in the midst of the valley. So God picked him up, put him in the valley. It was full of bones, and he caused me to pass by them. And behold, and there were very many in the open valley. Indeed, they were very dry. So God grabs him. I want you to see all this. I want you to pass by this. I want you to see the dry bones. It says, behold, which means pay close attention. Indeed, means focus. And he says, focus on what? On this problem. He goes, I want you to see this. I want you to see this dead area. And they're not only dry bones, they're scattered everywhere. This whole valley is full of all these dry bones everywhere. They're not like connected like skeletons. They're everywhere. Some commentators say they're up to like knee high deep. So here's Ezekiel like climbing through all these, all these bones and he's passing through. And they were dead and dry. And the Bible says very dry. And God wants him to see that. And then God asks this incredibly random, outrageous question in verse 3. Look at all these dead things. And he says, Son of man, can these bones live? Put yourself in Ezekiel's situation. Can these bones live? God, do you see what I see? I'm stepping on some guy's skull. I just broke someone's pelvis right here. Like, what do you mean can these bones live? They're not even connected, God. Are you serious? In reality, it's a silly question. It's a silly question. Because through God, there are no dead situations. Of course, dead bones can come live because we serve a God of miracles. It's a silly question. People think you thought it was a silly question because it was in the valley of, of dry bones. No, it's a silly question because God could do anything. We, so, with the whole theme of this year is the God of miracles. And of course, God can do a miracle. There is no, no situation that is too dead in your life that God can't bring to life again. There is no situation that is too far gone. There is no situation that is past that's used by date that God's like, oh, can, this, can these bones live? God's like, of course this can live again because I'm a resurrecting power God. This is who he is, this is what he does. Remember, he commanded millions of liters of water to come out of a rock. That's, that's God. And we have our situation and we're like, this can't be helped. This is over. But it's not. The good news is, guys, God is not intimidated by your dead situation. No, God's not like, I could heal him, I could heal him. Oh, yours is really dead. Sorry. Your situation's too far gone. Your finances, they're too far gone. Your marriage is too far gone. You're the... He's not scared of that. And the reason he's not scared of that is because he has resurrection power. Ephesians 2.1 And you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. 1 Corinthians 15.22 For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Romans 5.18 Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for, for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. We sang this morning, I'm alive because I'm alive in you. It's all because of Jesus that I'm alive. And God can always bring potential of life in any situation because life is stronger than death. And that's the God that we serve. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the Bible says, lives in us, and those, that, that power becomes manifest when we speak life. 
That power is available only through our words. In our text, it gives clear instructions. Verse 3, and he said, Son of man, can these bones live? And he answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to the bones. Say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. Can you imagine this? God says, go speak, go speak to that dead situation. Ezekiel's like, okay. Dry bones. God, are you serious, God? Like, I'm speaking to something that's dead. And God's like, yeah, you're doing great. Just keep going. You're doing good. Dry bones, um, will you live? It's such a weird story. Verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded. He just put a little power on the accelerator. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. God is a supernatural God. Can you say amen? God can do things that you thought are impossible. There are not impossible. There is nothing impossible to God. We sing a song. Nothing is impossible. In verse 4, prophesy to the bones and say, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. The great revelation we get from this text is that, listen to me, very, very important. Dead situations listen to the word of the Lord. Dead situations still can listen. They still hear. John 11, Lazarus dies. They come to Jesus. Lazarus, your friend, is, is sick. He's going to die. And Jesus loved him but stayed a few more days where he was. He finally goes to the tomb and they say, and, and they say look, he's been dead four days. He stinks. Don't worry about it. Uh, just, just leave him alone. Jesus says, just, just move, move the stone. Roll away the stone. So they roll away the stone. And here's Lazarus, dead, dead as dead, four days. And in those times, it was up to three days where it was like they were clean. After four days, that means they're totally unclean. No one could touch them. No one could go near the body. It was completely done. I think we should bring that back. After three days, just bury them. Just let them die. Like, why hold them for four months? But anyway, on the fourth day, he yells out, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus is dead. Yet, through the words of Jesus Christ, Lazarus hears those words. And Lazarus is resurrected, and Lazarus hobbles out. And I love that story, because you, you think your situation's dead. You think, whatever area, I'm not going to go into all of them, but you ha- all of us have areas of our, of our lives that we think are dead and hopeless. And like, what's the point of even speaking to them? They're dead, because dead things listen to the word of the Lord. Those dead areas, they, you speak into that, and they listen. They have to listen, because there are power in our words. Instead of speaking, oh, it's hopeless, it's hopeless. No, speak life over them, and every area has potential to change. Someone said, there are no hopeless cases in God, only those that have grown hopeless about their case. Nothing is impossible to God. If you will just speak like every situation has potential, every disciple has potential, every outreach has potential, every situation you face, no matter how bad it is, it could be, you could be physically dead, there's still power in Jesus Christ. So there's the problem, the, prof- the, the, the potential, but let's close with the prophecy. They did this rice experiment, and you might have seen this online, and this is not a one-off, this is not just a fake story, this is actually, this, you could see this all online. Did I, get, did, I send, did I send the pictures? So they put two pictures of rice together, put them next to each other. One of them wrote love, the other one they wrote hate. And every morning the person would speak to the one that says love and speak nice things. I don't know, be random, I love you rice. You've never looked whiter in your life. Um, you're so fluffy. I don't know what he says. And it says, the hate is like, you disgust me, Rice. You should be ashamed of yourself, who you think you are. And just, for two months, okay, same room right next to each other, just spoke those words to the, to the Rice. And then after two months, this is what happened. 
The one with love stayed white and fluffy. The one with hate dissolved. If this is true in rice, can you stop speaking negatively over your life? For the love of God. Our words have power. And this is not a one-time. You can look online. There's, there's heaps of these stories. They're, they're all on YouTube. There's, there's thousands, literally thousands of them. Because there is incredible power invoked when we speak. So when you speak. And so seven times in our text, it says prophesy. Prophesy. This word prophesy says to speak into existence. And I like that. Because you and I, we need to learn to start prophesying over our own life. We need to start prophesying and not just being uh, reactive, say, oh, this is what happened and this is what it looks like. Prophesy, speak those things into life. Verse 7, so I, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And here, as I prophesied, not before, not when I thought, thought it was going to get better. As I spoke, as I prophesied, as I spoke into existence, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together. Listen, the devil wants you to be quiet, but God wants you to speak up. God wants you to be vocal. God wants you to speak life over every area. And when you speak, as you prophesy, things start to happen. We know this in life. We saw that with the rice. We know this, this revelation. Sometimes the world understands this revelation, unfortunately, more than us, though. In sport, how many times do they speak positively in sport? Even when you're down, they speak positively, right? We just had the Super Bowl last week, and um, the Chiefs were down by 10 points, halfway through the last quarter and I was going for the Chiefs and I was very annoyed and my friends in Australia were messaging me mocking me and whatever and so the other team the 49ers they were celebrating already they were started to be a bit showboat they were a bit over the top and and the NFL have record they have the audio they have the players mic'd up and I saw this this just this week and the quarterback Patrick Mahomes so they're, they're down the other person's got the ball and there's only six minutes to go they're probably going to lose the Super Bowl like most most likely I think it was a 96% chance of losing it's, it's over and he goes around to all of his players as they're on the sidelines waiting to get the ball back. They're saying, it's going to happen. Something special is going to happen. People are going to remember us. We're going to come back. We're going to win. Something special is about to happen. They're going to remember this for a very long time. We're coming back. It's going to be special. And he says it over and over and over. And everyone gets behind. They're getting pumped up. They're getting, and he's prophesying over his sport. And the greatest thing happened. They scored three touchdowns in like four minutes. And they win the, they win the game by 11. Because there's power in our words. If they, if they understand that in sport, how many Christians need to just start, even when you're down, you need to start prophesying over your own life and just speaking, we're going to come back from this. God is going to move in my church. God is going to bring revival to my church. He's going to bring revival to my life. I am going to be a strong soldier of Jesus Christ. I am going to make it. I am not going to backslide. I will do all the things that God has called me to do. I am strong enough. I can make it. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I'm going to get through this. And if men and women will start to speak up and say, yeah, I can, you'll never know what God can do. It's all right. You're allowed to say amen. It's not the Catholic church. It's okay. You could say amen. How about you start speaking up? How about you start to actually get excited about what God can do instead of being discouraged of what the devil has done? How about we start prophesying? How about we start speaking? Speak life, not just in church, but speak life everywhere. In school, um, if you have to have English as your second language, one of the times they ask you in school or when they go into primary school, high school, they ask the parents, what language does the, do the parents speak at home? And if the parents don't speak English at home, they know it's going to be very hard. They're going to have to help them with, with certain things. They're going, to, they're going to grow a little bit slower than the others who speak English at home. So the question I have for that is they check what you speak at home, asking you, what, what language do you speak at home? 
Do you speak faith at home? Is faith your first language or is faith your second language? There's an easy way to check. Is what language do you speak at home? Not what do you speak at church, oh, praise the Lord, love this song, mighty to save, he can move the mountains, then we get home. I can't get out of this problem. (laughs) You just said he can move the mountain. You just said it. What do you speak in your car? What do you speak in your mind, in your workplace? What do you speak? How do you speak? Do you prophesy good things? Do you prophesy what the Lord will do? Speak great things and you'll see God move. Verse 8. It says, Indeed I looked, and the sinews and flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, and there was no breath in them. Maybe you spoke and it started to get a bit better, but it's not perfect yet. Can I encourage you to keep talking? Keep speaking. Because in our text it says, They spoke, then there was a the sound, then the rattling, then the bones came together, then the sinew, then the flesh, and they were still lying down. Then the breath came into them, then they stood up, and then they, got, they became an exceedingly strong army. So when you speak, it doesn't change like that. But slowly, things start to change. Slowly, slowly, slowly. Verse 9, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds of, of O breath and breathe on these that are slain and they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And breath came into them and they lived and stood upon the, their feet, an exceedingly great army. What area of your life is dead? Because I doubt it's, it's more dead than this situation here. Yet at the start, it's dry bones, very dry bones, scattered all over the place. And at the end, it's an exceedingly great army. And that's the hope of the gospel, is that when you speak, the breath of God comes in. That word breath there is actually talks about the spirit of God. When we speak, the Holy Ghost gets involved. When we speak, the power of God gets involved. And your weakest area can become your strongest. That was a perfect time to say Amen. I'll say it again just to back it up for you. Your weakest area can become your strongest. Now we're getting somewhere. Now we're going. It's been 33 minutes. Okay, I'll start now. You, you speak your life. What you speak is your life. Pastor uh, Campbell touched on this, but Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things were, that which were seen were not made of things which are visible. It says that the world is framed by words. Your world is framed by your words. In a building here, you can't see the framing, but behind all of this is framing work. And our words are the frame that holds everything together. So what are you building? What kind of disciple are you going to be by your words? Some of you single, what type of husbands and wives are you going to be by your words now? What's your future going to be? What are you building? How are you building your world? What does your world look like? Because your world reflects your words. How are your friends going to be? What's your future going to be? What's your finances going to be? What's your spiritual climate going to be? What's your passion for God going to be? It's all through your words. And no matter what goes on in life, you know, we're inside this building. If it rains, hails, shines, doesn't matter, doesn't affect us because we have a framing here. And when you speak the right words doesn't matter what happens in life because you build your life through your words. I, I, I encourage you from the bottom of my heart is, with all due respect, if you've got, only got negative things to say, please, for the love of God, shut up. Stop talking that rubbish and thinking it's not going to affect you because anybody can be negative. Anybody can speak, speak negative and see negative. 
But men of God, women of God, they see, they see life. They see good things. They see this can change. This can turn around. God can do a miracle. And as David said, as I close, he said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. Let your words be acceptable. Let your text messages be acceptable. Let your emails be acceptable. Let your mind be acceptable. And speak life. And can these bones live? Of course they can. Because we serve a resurrected king. Can you say amen? Praise God. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray.